With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now. You are listening live. The Smoking Musket Podcast. Bye, Godders. Welcome to the Smoking Musket Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Please do not forget to rate us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, and like us on Facebook. I believe we are like, what is it, like just at Smoking Musket on Facebook, something like that, Bart? Uh, yeah, Smoking Musket on Facebook, at Smoking Musket on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, the whole, the whole deal. So, yep. Recording from behind enemy lines in Western PA, I'm David Smith, an editor at SmokyMusket.com. You can find me on Twitter at Smithfire13, and of course, as always, joining me tonight in his cleats and his kit, <laughs> Bart Keeler, Bartimus Prime on the musket, at Bartimus Prime 19 on Twitter. He is about to go play a fantastic game of soccer, getting ready for his international uh, debut against Mexico in November. Well, I don't have any confidence in Brad Guzan, so I don't see why I can't do it. I don't see why I can't. Sounds good to me. I'm, I, I'm ready. I don't think you're going to be starting over Christian Pulisic, though. Good thing I'm not a left or right winger. I am a goalkeeper. This is good I news. I can do that. But I would still trust Pulisic in the goal more than I would trust myself. That's fair enough. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, so, t- on this episode, we are going to go over... The BYU, uh, I guess West Virginia's win over BYU in Landover, Maryland. And then we are going to preview the K-State game on Saturday with our boy Grant Tommy. And then in uh, part three, we'll go ahead and give our own preview of whenever the Wildcats of K-State and Bill Snyder come and invade Morgantown to try to steal away our undefeated or, well, I guess steal a win and take away our undefeated record. I guess that would be the way you word that. But first, in part one, we're going to go over the headlines and what else is going around in the Big 12. Bart, would you like to go over the headlines? I will do the headlines. I got you. Do your thing. Let's do this. All right. So first off, WVU Volleyball swept Texas Tech over the weekend for their first win in Big 12 play. And the number four women's soccer team torches Richmond 4-1. to one. Uh, They would begin conference play with Baylor on Friday. Also in soccer, the number 24 men's soccer team won a huge victory at UNC Greensboro, 1-0. Had to go down to Greensboro, North Carolina for that. That's a big win for them. That is their seventh shutout in a row and gives them a number 12 ranking nationally. So that's yes, a pretty sir. good weekend for WVU overall. Unfortunately, we did learn uh, during the BYU game that Antonio Crawford sat out the second half with a shoulder injury, and he is questionable, doubtful. Dana didn't quite give it that term, but probably questionable for Saturday with that shoulder injury. Also of note, Josh Lambert is no longer suspended 
for whatever the reason he was suspended for. <laughs> Violation of team rules, whatever that means. Something. But Dana, in his press conference on Tuesday, did say that both uh, Lambert and Molina will see action. Not quite sure what that means. Uh, I don't know if that means that one will be taking kickoffs, one will be kicking field goals. We're not quite <laughs> sure. Um, also, everyone needs to chill out that an LSU plane was in Morgantown the other day. It doesn't mean anything. Chill. How do you know? Actually, that? well, I don't, but just chill. Okay, that's fair. All right. Also, Tom Herman doesn't coach at L- D- WVU. That's why. Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, I did also notice that whenever you said one of them could be taking kickoffs, I'd prefer to think of it as like them actually fielding kickoffs because it would just be fun to just see at one point just Mike Molina or Josh Lambert on Take the a kick. returning team. Yeah, that'd be it cannot be worse than what we saw on Saturday. That's <laughs> true. That's a good point. I don't think it's on the returner, though, but I think you're, you're no, absolutely correct about not, that. No, not entirely. But those, right, those are yeah. the major headlines for uh, WVU of the past week. Um, Smitty, you want to go through the Big 12 recap? Yep, let's do it, Big 12. In the Big 12 conference, when we say one true champion, we mean it. Okay, so TCU ends up winning at SMU 33-3. They keep the iron skillet. I want sausage gravy. You want sausage gravy. Sure, absolutely. I believe Coach Melissa went to this game, and she said it's not even funny anymore because they're bad. So Real bad. Real bad. Iowa State wins 44-10 to against San Jose State. Fine. First win for Matt Campbell. Oh, there you go. Toledo's own Matt Campbell. Right. Is he actually from Ohio? Is he from Toledo? Why not? Hmm, let's check this out. Is he going to be the first Matt Campbell to come up on Google? Yes. He's, oh, he's from Madison. I believe it's Madison, Ohio. I think that's how you pronounce that. Not Madison, Wisconsin. Right. Massillon. Massillon? I don't know why, but for some reason I thought it was, like, Massillon, Madison, maybe not. I don't know. I think East Vermont played there at one point. Like, not the football team, but the, the band. That's a really random thing for me to remember, because I wasn't even in the band. So, yeah. Uh, also, Matt Campbell will play the pit. Yeah. So. I thought it was all my... I went to Mount Union, but okay, anyway. I, I think know. he did. Well, okay. Freshman year, pit transferred to Mount Union. What do you think? Uh, that's a smart man. <laughs> that's fair. Okay. <laughs> I believe in second chances, so... Yeah. I mean, cool. he recognized a mistake, and he corrected it. <laughs> that is our Iowa State talk. So, K-State 35, Missouri 0... This game got out of hand, and they ended up just ending it at the half due to weather, which really makes it hard to preview K-State because that means all of their stats are completely ridiculous because they only played like two quarters in one game, which means like you have to double all of their defensive stats. Right. None of it makes any sense. And their offensive stats, and is that fair? We don't know. Yeah, like they're, according to the stats, like their defense is like top 10 solely because right. they didn't play a whole half of football. Come I mean, on. good. You, you gave up zero points in one half. Congratulations. Yeah, way to go. Last Big 12 game to recap because there were a couple teams on buys slash open weeks, whatever you want to say. Baylor ends up winning against Oklahoma State 35-24. Baylor still looks like Baylor, even yeah. though everyone in the country does not want them to be good. Um, well, I mean, when you have basically everyone but your head coach in place, you're going to still have success. Not quite sure if Jim Grobe is up to the challenge of Big 12 coaching. He made a couple weird going forward on fourth down calls or whatnot that I, I just didn't understand. But then again, Oklahoma State did the same. So Mike Gundy has been coaching this league a lot longer. But 
Oklahoma State made more mistakes than Baylor. Yeah, I'm sure Oklahoma State, like, I mean, they technically should have been undefeated, undefeated. going into this game. Yeah. But um, they're going to have a pretty good season, and we have to go to Stillwater, I believe. So yeah. that's not going to be a great trip. But yeah. other notable games that we should mention, of course, University of North Carolina 37, Pittsburgh 36. Yeah. Good work, Larry Fedora. Good job. Or good work, Pitt, by absolutely blowing it because you had like, an incredible lead. Uh, they had like a pretty big lead, and then they decided just to lose. So They literally led the entire game. Literally, Until well, the very Yeah, end. I was going to say, not the entire the game. very end. Uh, also, in the Final Four action, Duke defeated Notre Dame. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm, yeah, what right? was that? Yeah. How oh. about this? Duke beats Notre Dame for Notre Dame to get their third quality loss because they lost to Duke at home. Which is an ACC team. That's right. So that's a quality loss. That's absolutely true. <laughs> Unbelievable to me. But, yeah. They're still in the – you know they're still in the national title discussion. Ugh. You know what's better than Notre Dame's second loss? Notre Dame not playing football ever again? <laughs> That'd be pretty sweet. But, yes, they're them firing their defensive coordinator and people saying that yes. Brian Kelly needs to be fired, even though like he's probably the best coach they've had there in like the last like 20 years. That's uh, very true. But yeah. their defense was atrocious. Pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. Hey, so uh, I think there's one more game to talk about. Is there? What do you think? What, what game are we missing? Hmm... West Virginia wins. Yay, 35 Oh, yeah, 32. we should talk about that one, I guess. Yeah, Landover, Maryland. <sighs> the Mountaineers had a sort of kind of pseudo home game that's technically a neutral site game. They well, I mean, winning. our fans didn't really show up in force, so it was not really that great of a crowd for us. Was it I our fault? Guess. We were there. We literally were there, so it is not our fault. The two people on the show both went. So the Smoking Musket, two for two in that's podcasts. Right at the show <laughs> you're We're absolutely good. right so West Virginia improves to 3-0 on the year BYU drops Yay. down to 1-3 and and so Bart where would you like to start whenever it comes to analyzing this game well I mean quickly to review it we had a good first half yep led 21-13 to had should have been 21-10 to but they end up getting a, like a chintzy field goal on like some rule yeah whatever a weird rule that we thought was a rule but then it wasn't a rule and we're still not quite sure what the rule is exactly but whatever, 21-13, that's a good half of football. We get two red zone touchdowns and a pick six. Two for two in the red zone, by the way. It was actually like we were three for three on the first drive because that's true. we got a penalty and then, what was it, like a, another penalty, I believe? Well, I think it was, well, they were offside, but we, they made contact. And so they had to blow. And we scored. Back. Yeah, I remember that play. Yeah. But everyone was upset, but that's the rule. Anyway, yeah, so, like, we actually went, like, 4 for 4 in the first half <laughs> in the red zone. But if you look at the box score, I'm a big numbers guy, as you know. Yes. And so it's a really interesting read here because, for the most part, I mean, I guess you would just say that West Virginia largely controlled the game and then just let BYU come back and ended up still holding out to win. But yeah. if you look at the box score, it looks like a lot more even of a game to the point where BYU ends up outgaining West Virginia 521 to 481 in yards. First downs is pretty much even 27 to 26 for BYU. They end up actually doing a lot better in third down efficiency, 6 to 12 
about half the time. And then BYU was 10 for 15, which is like two thirds, which is like nominally better. So, but the big deciding factor in this game were four turnovers to two to BYU with them throwing three interceptions, one of them being a pick six. And of course, I mean, like the two that ended both of their drives at the end were absolutely crucial for the Mountaineers. Yes. I mean, that was ultimately what did BYU in it was that they couldn't, they, they gave us more opportunities to score. And our offense was actually looking pretty good on Saturday. Yeah. For the most part, we were able to convert when we got the ball on a turnover. And that, that was something that BYU wasn't able to do. They even got a gift, Orlowski or Howard, which I don't know which one is to blame. They're both to blame when we had a missed snap and they recovered the ball in like their four and had a chance to go at least tie it. That's actually a really good point. Like uh, that was a that was a fourteen point swing. It, it yes. ended up being because we were literally on the one yard line. We could have. I mean, at the least we get a field goal out of that, and we force BYU to have to score a touchdown after burning more time off the clock and all right. that jazz. But we turn the ball over. BYU has a chance to drive down the field and get into field goal range. But luckily, we close it off with a very good interception, a very good defensive play to win the game. Yeah, correct. And so Jeremy Tyler ends up picking off BYU and then the fumble at the one-yard line for West Virginia to end up sealing the game. BYU ends up driving all the way down the field for Nana Crimea, who made an incredible play to tip the ball up into the air for Maurice Fleming to pick it off and seal the deal for the Mountaineers. And so what are some of the things, I mean, like, would you want to talk about Skylar right now? Do you want to talk about the defense? Like, what do you think? We can run through some offensive stats because I think we had a good, I want to talk about some good things first. Sure, let's hear it. <laughs> so, I mean, I thought Skylar had a great day from when you saw. He, he had an interception, but overall 31 of 40 is a pretty good day. 332 yards and a touchdown. That's what that's, you want. Yeah, that's better than 75, it's like 75%. Very good. Yeah, that's a pretty good day. And then add to that 11 carries, 27 yards and a touchdown. That's a very productive day for Skylar Howard. The best receiver we had on the day actually didn't get in the end zone, but that was Shelton Gibson, four receptions for 144 yards, and he got behind BYU a couple times and really was the guy who made us able to keep to get those explosive plays and keep drives alive. Mm-hmm. Um, Crawford and Shell, I thought we, I thought Crawford looked amazing, but Shell did what he needed to as well. Crawford with nine carries, 86 yards, 9.6 yards per carry, um, and then Shell 11 for 35. Not great, but he did get two touchdowns. Right. Which, I mean, good for him. That's great. Yeah, so I that's think offensively, we, we looked really good. Yes. And so, I don't know. Number one, Skyler looked very good in this game. He looked very poised. There were only, like, like as, of course, it seems to be a uh, running theme for this season that you're going to see probably two or three bad throws from him. One of them ended up being picked off. Yes. Um, and, uh, I think two or three maybe outside of that were either possible picks or just bad decisions. So outside of that, I mean, very good day from Skylar. Like, of course, the miscommunication with Tyler Orlowski for that fumble, that needs to be corrected, which Dan Holgerson said it absolutely will. You know what, though? Let's think about this. What's up? How many plays do we run in a season? You know, you're going to have a bad snap. And when when I watched it back, it was a miscommunication. Skylar gave a signal that Orlowski obviously thought was snap the ball. And it ended up he wanted, you know, Skylar wanted to stop and call an audible. That's going to happen throughout once in the season, probably. It just so happened to happen 
from what I actually cut, like, I kind of interpreted it where the same thing, they did the same thing in the first quarter whenever they're in the red zone. Um, right. From what I understand, whatever that signal was, was actually the quick snap, I'm under pressure, uh, I'm under center right. signal where they just bum rush or freeze them. That, I, I guess that is what uh, that would be. And so Skylar was actually not giving that uh, signal, and so he was still in the shotgun. And so Orlowski snaps it as if he's under center, which is why it was like a low – Right. You know, like it was like it wasn't your usual bad snap that would usually like go yeah. over the head or something like that. It was a very odd snap that ended up going off somebody's leg and going directly into the BYU <laughs> defense. It's like, oh, it that's... couldn't have taken a much. It couldn't have forced to take it. Like, yes, it could, absolutely it right. It literally went right. It went not only off Skyler's shin. It yep. went past all of our linemen and literally into the arms of a BYU player. It was the worst bounce. <laughs> like, it was so terrible. So, but that happened. So, outside of that, Scholar had a very, very, very good day. I do know that we both want to mention the fact that number one, that BYU did everything they could to keep Tequila Shorts covered up, and um, he still showed, got a touchdown. That's right. He, he was he was very not covered up on that touchdown. <laughs> he was literally the only person in about a ten yard radius. Yeah. It's so, I mean, his longest completion was nine yards. He only had five receptions for 22 yards. And so whenever Dekeel Shorts is being covered up like that, you want to see not only Gibson and White get the receptions, but you want to see the running backs being able to get wheel routes out, going into the flats and getting the dump passes. And you want to see those fourth and fifth wide receivers stepping yes. up, which is a topic that we have talked about before. Who yep. is going to step up? Well, well, I will say this. Yeah. I roasted him a little bit in the past weeks, but Jovan Durant came through very big time today. He had six catches on six targets. He only had a, his longest reception was nine yards, but he's not a guy that they're using to go down the field and catch 50 yard bombs. Right. But he caught the ball every time it was thrown at him, except for the one interception, but that's not his fault that Skyler made a really bad throw. Right. But, I mean, six receptions, that's great. And then Karan White, other than one absolutely terrible drop that ended up not mattering, had a pretty good day as well with four catches. For sure. So that and was good. And if you go down the list, I mean, Devontae Mathis had a good catch for 13 yards. Kennedy yeah. McCoy had two of them. It looked very good. Gary Jennings gets one. Elijah Wellman gets one. Whenever you see... Uh, Justin Crawford gets three as well. Whenever you see guys and they're receiving just the chart of receptions is a good length. That means, you know, a scholar is spraying the ball around the field indeterminate on who it is. And whenever people are catching those, it makes the offense go a lot easier because that means whenever they are keying up on your key players, you're still moving the ball, which is extremely crucial to just moving the chains yes. whenever they're locked up on third down. And so that is a massive for the Mountaineers. As long if that continues, then West Virginia is very dangerous on offense because you are forcing the defense to respect every single one of your receivers, which means they are not able to double up on Gibson or to kill shorts or white, which springs them loose. Well, and that's where news. you're going to get. Yeah, that's what that's where you're going to get the single coverage with Shelton Gibson over top and there are maybe no people in the conference who can actually go step for step with Shelton Gibson if he get if he can get behind him. Um, I think honestly the, from the passing game the best thing I saw was our running backs get nine receptions and 
that when you talk about you know how what happens when Dakeel Shorts or even Shelton Gibson either don't have a good day or having one of those days where it's tough for them to get targets and receptions, if your running backs can get the ball out of the backfield, they're likely going to get a good chunk of yards because yeah. you know most teams, especially in the Big Twelve, are going to give a lot of cushion to that. So that was great. That was, and that's where the creativity can come in. That's where Dana can. If he sees that, he can come up with a little more creative plays where your running your running backs are running simple routes, maybe, but that's a simple route when you have a bunch of wide receivers out there as well, and it just gives another option to Skyler. And it really, a lot of them were just checkdowns, where it was like, okay, two guys are covered, let's get it to the back and let's get three yards, and that's great. Absolutely. And so, hey man, West Virginia is uh, supposedly faced two very good defenses this year, and we have scored twenty six and thirty five points on them. Yeah, not bad. So, looking at the Big 12, there should be some dynamite. There should be some fireworks. I would hope so. so. Yeah. Where else do you want to go? I mean, you mentioned special teams at field position. Um, we oh, could go man. there, we, I guess. It, it It's not looking great right now. West Virginia, they started legitimately inside of their 20 on every possession that was not from a turnover the first three quarters. Yeah, yeah. We didn't get one past... Um... The 20 and t- which is funny so like this is the ironic part of this is that you know you want to have starting field position uh, you know hopefully now especially with the kick with the kickoff rules uh, you know past your 25 right but every time we did that we still got the ball and went, pretty much went down and scored but then the two times we got the ball past our 20 we didn't score right and so whenever <laughs> you see i mean like on the the drive summaries whenever you see 199 yard touchdown drive. Yeah. 185, 184, another 87, something like that. I mean, that's good that you're putting points on the board. Obviously, you're scoring touchdowns, but don't make it so hard on the offense. Right. I mean, like we have to pick and choose where we're talking about the special teams because, I mean, Billy Kenny is doing very well. Obviously, he Uh, actually had a not great day yesterday, but the kicking wasn't the problem yesterday. Right. Yeah. I mean, Mike (laughs) Molina is doing fine. You know, like, there's different people that are doing yeah. okay. It's just that, man, these coverage teams are blocking and stuff. Like, it is just brutal. It's to the point where we had to squib kick again, like, on a kickoff. Yeah. It, it was very reminiscent of the, let's just not put our punt returner back and hope that it bounces our way. Yeah. Like, just trying to be innovative just to cover up these really bad blemishes on special yeah. teams is not a good look. And so, West Virginia... We're going to talk about this later in the show, but K-State is one of the best special teams like yes. uh, squads Always. in the country. Always. Always. They have another good one this year. This might not be a great time to just, I don't know, have to face a, a squad that has a special team strength, let alone it Shoot. being, like, yeah. One of our better kickoffs was the one we kicked out of bounds. Yeah. yeah. Because he didn't, I mean, and again, it's not, it's not the kicker's fault. I mean, really, he put the ball... I mean, he could have done better, and I think that's also Molina being younger and not the... He doesn't quite have the leg that... Sure, yeah, um, he's not the starter. ...that Lambert has, but that wasn't really the problem. You have to make tackles. You have to get... You have to stay in your assigned running in your lane. lane. <laughs> Commit to that and do not allow them to get past you on that regard. Right. I mean, that was that was bad. And then, returning the ball... I swear, we're catching the ball literally like on the goal line and trying to run it out. Just let the ball hit, please. Well, I mean, it's their job to do that. Like that's no, like let that's the ball what hit. BYU wants to do. They want like they want to be able to get it like close to the goal line to make you take that decision. But like the 
they were supposed the to be able to take it out. The, yes. You're supposed like you're like I know you don't want to, but the special teams coach does want them to do that. And I don't want they're not that. getting any blocking. No, they're not. They're not. That would be also helpful because you have two of the faster guys on the team back there returning kicks. They get a block, they can go. Right. And we saw that I believe in, like in the fourth quarter. We saw Sheldon yeah. Gibson like actually get a good a good return. I don't know. I I mean, I understand you're saying that we, they shouldn't take it out at all. I'm saying at this point, no. <laughs> and that's not uh, – but it also goes back to the um, – I think Jennings in the first couple games when we were returning punts refused to call for a fair catch. Yeah. We're three games into the season now. We need to have this stuff down. We can't allow special teams to possibly ruin some games like we had, what, two, three years ago. Right, yeah, and I, I mean, it's going back to the whole uh, adage for being a quarterback at Alabama, just don't lose the game. Right, don't lose the game. <laughs> so, and special teams could very easily cost West Virginia a game, yes. more specifically the one they have in week five against K-State. Yeah, um, um, yes. Yeah. Um, I guess moving on from special teams, another thing that we did want to mention is the fact that BYU did put up 521 yards on offense, and 280 of those yards were from rushing. They ended up getting seven yards a carry. That's that's not wonderful. No, the running the running game was absolutely horrendous. Um, or excuse me, the run defense was absolutely horrendous. It was very much a. I mean, every time they handed the ball off to Williams, who is a good running back, and BYU is a power running team. They're good. Don't get me wrong. But it was very nerve-wracking anytime they handed the ball off to him because you knew he was going to get at least five yards to carry. That's not good. I mean, it is good, but that's not good for us. Well, no, it's, it's good for BYU. <laughs> now, part of that is a matchup problem. Would you agree? Yeah, I'd say one thing is I thought West Virginia mostly – there were times where they were doing well in run defense, but sometimes not doing fantastic. That is certainly something they're going to have to work on whenever they face K-State. We continue the, the fact that K-State is a good running team and they're good on special teams, which are two things that West Virginia looks vulnerable now, at right now. That is not wonderful. Well, and again, we gave up a lot of yards to a, court, to a mobile quarterback. Right. And that's obviously, again, something that when you have a 3-3-5 defense, you're going to give up those yards because you don't have a whole lot of people who can account for a quarterback who can move. Yes. Furthermore, that three-three-five defense isn't great at stopping a power-running game, so it—it it doesn't. I'm not saying that. I mean, Kansas State is by far the most power of the power-running teams I think we have in the conference. That is their right, identity. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. don't really have much else. Yeah. So I mean, like we we definitely have to shore this up before we play, like you were saying, Oklahoma yeah. and Texas and K-State. Right. So with some dynamic running backs and some you know quarterbacks that can move as well. Right, and so I guess like the idea would be just to hope, figure out a way to get past K State, go into the bye week, and then work on those situations. Well, and uh, unfortunately, the first game we have off the bye week, well, not I guess unfortunately, but you know, the first Tech. game we have off a bye off a bye week is a team who doesn't actually run the ball. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like it, it's problematic again because it is a matchup problem. So. It's not necessarily that we're a bad defensive team, you know, run-stopping team, because I think we could against a team like Oklahoma State or even Baylor, where they're not a power-running team. They're a spread off, you know, they're more of a spread you out and then try to hit you up the middle with a run right. game or to an off-tackle type play. It's not a let's just get you know five guys on the line of scrimmage, seven guys on the line of scrimmage, and lean on you for you know four quarters. But yeah. it's still a problem. 
One thing that we have seen over the past three games is the fact that West Virginia isn't great at killing off a game. No. Whenever they get into the fourth quarter with a lead, they just have one speed, and it's just pass and go all of the effing time. Right. <laughs> and whenever they try to go power and try to finish off games, they're not able to do that, which is kind of looks like what happened in the fourth quarter. Well, and that's where I think that, you know, if you're Dana, we run a passing offense that does give our quarterback a lot of high percentage throws. Yes. And I understand that, you know, like, when you get down to the fourth quarter and you've got a, you know, a, whatever we had, a 16-point lead, you do want to run the ball. But the good thing that we do when we run the ball is we spread teams out, we make them think about the pass because you have to honor that, and we're able to run the ball against them because they don't have anyone to account to for our running backs once we get past the first level. Mm-hmm. But when they know we're trying to kill off a game, <laughs> they can account for that. And yeah. that's what BYU was able to do on, on defense for them. Now on offense and defensively for us, I was more concerned about our inability to kill off a team that in that regard. It's a problem, but we're saying there are problems whenever we're 3-0, just coming off a win. That yeah, probably should have been a little bit more than three points. But this team isn't perfect, and so if we could stop saying that this is a playoff team, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, and I think I, like we need to pump the brakes here. I think people are like, oh, we're going to contend for a Big 12 title. Well, technically, yes, because we're one of two undefeated teams in the Big 12 right now. We have winnable game to start off our conference slate. Right. So, yeah, can we compete for a Big 12 title? Absolutely. So can every other team but, like, three in this conference. But pump the brakes. We have some deficiencies. We looked good in three wins. We looked bad in three wins. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the most important thing is that we won those games, but it's not like yes. we look like world world beaters right now. I think for Dana's sake, it's good. I mean, like, if we want to talk about his job of, you know, security for a second, he's 3-0 again in non-conference play for another year. Yeah. I have That's no. What, yeah, I think he's twelve like, and zero. Yeah, I and mean, it, like whenever yeah. I went on the K State podcast, they were asking me about Dana Holgerson's like I don't know the seat temperature. Yeah. I was just like, well, we haven't lost, so right. We're we're not not really thinking about that right now. No one like at this point in the season, his seat temperature is very nice and comfortable. It's true. In my opinion, keep winning. Yeah, and if you keep winning, I mean, again, I I don't think this. Then they could scare. They could come out and surprise me. But this team is not a double-digit win team this year. Right. Yep. I'm just saying that. Yeah. But does that mean that nine wins is out of the realm of possibility? No, especially when you have three wins already. Yeah. I mean, that means you got to win six out of nine in the conference. That's doable. We'll find out. We'll we, see. Yeah. We, we. I mean, we start Big 12 play this week, and and we will find out how we stand up against that conference. That's right. And so we're halfway to bowl eligibility, which is good. Yes. <laughs> And people are still projecting us for like the Armed Forces Bowl or the Liberty Bowl. Come well, on, people. Yeah, I don't know. There's a we want to go somewhere that's fun. Yeah, there's a lot of numbers out there that aren't exactly West Virginia's friends right now. But a lot um, of numbers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, a couple things I did want to mention before we uh, get off the BYU game. Number one, Skyler looks like that his intermediate pass game, that skill, is officially in his tool set, I guess. Um, just throwing from like eight yards to 20 yards, 11 yards to 20, yes. something like that. That pass uh, has always been really sporadic for him, but now it looks like he's able to find that space between the linebackers and the safeties, which really puts a stress on both of those squads of players because they have to respect the medium range pass now, which is fantastic. And it really opens up space for all the other skill players on the field. And one other thing, Kenny McCoy 
ran over a guy, and I was pretty impressed with his touches. That was awesome. So, yes, our running backs as a whole yeah. had a really good game in my opinion. Yes, I think so too. But Kennedy has had two good games in a row, so that's good. Let's keep this going. Um, do you have anything else to say about West Virginia's win over BYU? Um, I think I said it in the or beginning, and I don't want to close on a really bad note, but I was just disappointed in our fan turnout for the game. I mean, yeah, we, I don't really know. I, I don't really understand why a whole lot of West Virginia fans didn't travel for this. I don't know if we, they're I mean, saving we had the up lower for the bowl. Austin trip. It was. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I'm not because really. the way I look at it is. I mean, I I live in Atlanta, and but I'm not the only person who isn't within a you know a nice short drive to to Morgantown. Right. We have a ton of alumni and fans in the more in the D.C., Baltimore, shoot, even Philadelphia and Northern Virginia area. That's a much easier drive for them, and I felt like that was you know we just didn't have the the fan support we should have had. Also, FedEx Field parking is terrible. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's going to that be good a, to know next week. Next if you want to go back to like Friday and look at my Twitter um, feed and see all of the mean things I said, well, not mean, but just <laughs> Bart was not happy. So, um, Bart, are we ready to flip over to part two to my interview with friend of the show Grant Tommy? I am. He is a great, great interview. He's my dude. So yeah, he's great. Uh, he's yeah, I mean, he's made the trip to Morgantown before. So yeah, automatically give him props there. So W fans, by Goddards, we're gonna move over to part two to officially start our K State preview. I guess we kind of sort of like slipped in on a couple of the things that we we're gonna talk about with him on there, and then we will go over to part three and really dig in and give a preview for the rest of the Big Twelve for Week Five. So. All right, we'll see you in part two. Bogarders, welcome back to the Smoking Musket Podcast. I am joined here with the co-host of the Salute Podcast, but I'm joined here by Grant Tommy. He is at gcat underscore Mario. On the Twitter, he is here to preview West Virginia's opponent this week, the Kansas State Wildcats. They are one and two on the season coming in to Morgantown. Two and one. Two and one. My apologies. They are two and one on the season coming into Morgantown. I'm too used to BYU. They are coming in for a strike the stadium game for ESPNU. That is a 3:30 kickoff at Milan Pushcart Stadium. Grant, I can only assume that you are coming in for this game again. Uh, Grant has already came in once before, so if you need a ride from the Pittsburgh airport, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I won't be making it this year, but uh, don't feel bad about the disrespect card on the record because Kansas City Radio, uh, two different stations on two different occasions on two different totally time slots, uh, said the Big 12 only has one undefeated team uh, in the league. And, um, and the, all the They're while, right. It's West they, Virginia. No, it's Baylor. Oh, according oh to okay, them. sorry. And I'm like, yeah, nope, you're wrong. Um, yeah, I'm totally, uh, I'm totally fine with that. Uh, flying under radar is what we do best. <laughs> so, full apologies all around. Uh, absolutely granted. So, all right, K State had a little bit of a rough start this year because they played Stanford, and I'm still kind of wondering why the hell you decide to play that game. But I mean, that's just me. It would have been a great win, but damn, man, come on. Stanford? Yeah, so that one came about when the Big 12 uh, came up with that new rule where you had to play a... Um, yeah, uh, no FCS teams. Yeah, and so there was a blip in the... We hadn't had a uh, an opponent scheduled for that year yet. We were still trying to lock that down, so we went ahead and tried to find 
a power five opponent and that's the only person who was available that late in the game. So it was, uh, yeah, it, it kind of came about in a roundabout way and that was not, uh, per the usual Bill Snyder script. Sure. Yeah. So K-State, it starts with a little bit of a rough start losing to Stanford on the farm, but comes out and beats two lesser opponents, (laughs) Florida Atlantic and Missouri state, but by a combined store of 98 to seven, not a bad combined score. So, what are you able to tell us about the Wildcats after those three games? Well, since it's really only two and a half games, because as you may or may not know, the uh, game this Saturday was rain-shortened, and it was only actually a half of football. So, you may notice that we have the uh, number one overall total defense in the nation right now. I did notice that. <laughs> but uh, that often gets aided by when you only play two quarters instead of four, and you hold an opponent to, I think it's something like 54 yards of total offense. So, that that that'll skew the stats uh, quite in their favor. Although uh, the defense was, I think, uh, top five or top six uh, heading into last week, and that's the thing. I mean, it's the defense is really uh, winning the the reputation kind of calling card situation right now. And I had my doubts in the off season because last year this is a defense that finished up 106th in total defense, and everybody made such a big deal about how improved they're going to be. And I'm like, well, yeah, they could be greatly improved and still be middle of the pack in college football, you know. <laughs> yeah. You could jump up to, like, the 50s and still be, still be. I mean, you know, there's 128 teams, right? So so I kind of had my doubts, but then uh, I started buying into it a little bit more and more. I've got a couple sources really close to the program, and right before kickoff of the first game, uh, I was hearing some things a lot closer. Things like anytime the ones go up against the ones, the defense is always winning the battle, um, another thing was just uh, specifically from like a coaching perspective, I, I heard just basically positive things being said about the defense. So all in all, I, this is a really exciting, uh, it's shaping up to be a really exciting year for K-State fans, given the fact that the Big 12 is as wide open as it seems. And we haven't seen a score total like that 63-7 to driving over Florida Atlantic since probably like the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, and so that's actually kind of impressive, but um, since you were uh, just talking about the defense, and yes, K-State is sixth in the nation in rushing defense, and it definitely showed against Stanford when Chris McCaffrey had a mediocre day. You That doesn't matter whenever it comes to season averages. I saw that game. You guys played very well against them. Can you describe what defensive coordinator Tom Hayes does with his Wildcat defense, and why is it so effective? Um, I... I think it's um, I think in this situation it's it's less than a coaching uh, thing. It's it's just really a talent upgrade. I mean the front seven is one that is pretty dang solid. I say front seven. We play nickel defense quite a bit, so it's more of a four-two-five almost. Okay. Um, but our 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 corners have the talent has been significantly upgraded at corner. We've got a Cal transfer in. Uh, that doesn't even see the field. Uh, CJ Reed, a sophomore Juco transfer is, is kind of really making this hitting the scene right now. And then sophomore Duke Shelley was a four-star recruit out of Georgia. We started somehow figuring out a way to tap into Georgia. We have a little pipeline going. We have about six kids, fairly decent, highly recruited kids uh, on the team or signed for next year's recruiting class. And it really is just a significant upgrade in talent where we finally have uh, quarterbacks that we can play uh, bump press coverage with. And we just have a, a, a defensive line that's got incredible depth that 
basically, we've got a nice rotation uh, that was going to pay off, I think, huge in the Big 12 since everybody runs those those high-tempo offenses and being able to get fresh legs on the defensive line in and out and not really have a talent drop-off is huge. And then we've got two linebackers that can cover a lot of ground. they got the good speed that can go sideline to sideline. It really just, top to bottom, at every position, uh, you have somebody that you, you just can really rely on in each of the three position groups. Sure, absolutely. And listeners, you are listening to the Smoking Musket Podcast. We are here with friend of the show, Grant Tommy, previewing this weekend's matchup against K-State, kicking off at 3.30 on ESPNU in Milan Pushkar Stadium. So, switching over to the offense, all right? Dana Holgerson on the Big 12 teleconference said that K-State has basically had the same quarterback for the past 80 years. <laughs> I agree with him. <laughs> uh, Bart and I joke on the show a lot about how we just assume that you pick your smallest tight end and say, hey, listen, you're never going to see the field as a tight end, so you might as well just run the ball. So, does Jesse Ertz, your starting quarterback, fit that description as the typical like just stereotypical prototype for a KSU quarterback, or is he doing something else? Uh, no, Jesse Ertz is not built like Colin Klein uh, at all. He's uh, I'm trying to bring up his his roster stats, but he can't be any taller than six two. And uh, I mean, I think he's probably a little closer to six foot. Now he's he's a, a little you know bigger than you might suspect, but he's he's almost got more of a he's almost more of a Chase Daniel type build um he's really he's not he's no Colin Klein I'll just put it that way <laughs> okay he's no tight he does not have the body of a tight end okay that's fair so like how would you describe like the way he plays and what they use him to do on the offense well I will I guess I'll, I'll throw Holgo a little bit of a bone here that he's he he's a much better comparison to Jake Waters in the fact that he's he's a little bit of a gunslinger and he can he's not like a well, he's a much better runner than Waters, but he doesn't necessarily uh, look to run first. He's um, and not quite a pocket passer either. But he's got actually an incredible amount of acceleration. Like he's a lot quicker than than you'll suspect. And and I think West Virginia fans will probably see that at some point in the game uh, this Saturday. That holy cow, where did that come from? <laughs> That's good. So uh, it looks like K State is actually more of one of like the most effective running teams in the nation. How do they use him and the stable of running backs that it looks like one of your guys has six touchdowns. What's going on there? Yeah. So Winston Dimmel is the uh, son of co-offensive coordinator. Shoot. I always, I always mix, try to mix and match their names. Wait, wait. So he's the Dana son Dimmel. of the offensive coordinator. Yeah. So is it like get the ball, the Tucker situation? Do you know what I'm talking about there? I don't know what you're talking about, but that's without <laughs> okay. knowing what you're talking about, I'm guessing that's exactly what the fan base thinks. Good, that's fun. Uh, I mean, he scored six touchdowns. Like, so he must be pretty decent, right? It, it's kind of one of those like uh, it's going to be probably a debate that rages on for the entire year. But like for for instance, he's the he's full he's the fullback, and he's the guy who uh, we like to put in the wildcat formation apparently this year, and um, the guy who blocks for him is is a tight end. And um, he so he scored against Florida Atlantic from like seven yards out. So for the uh, for everybody to think that he just gets cherry picked for like the the one yard run uh, anytime they're down in the red zone by his dad, that's a little bit misleading. And he also caught I think he was it this weekend. I think he caught one of those uh, touchdown passes. So hmm. he's not bad. It, it's legit. He's uh, he's 
definitely an athletic individual and deserves the catches and touches that he gets. Nice. Okay. So are there any other like major offensive weapons that West Virginia fans should look out for on Saturday? Yeah. So the wide receiving core, I would say uh, maybe is underperforming from what we heard from the spring game and all that stuff. Um, the big, the big name from the off season was uh, Byron Pringle, a Juco transfer. And uh, he certainly has the, the, the build and the ability to be physical and go up, but he's only ha- recorded like three or four catches on the entire year. Um, so actually the guy I'd look for out of the wide receiver core at the moment is Dominique Keith. Uh, he wears number four. Uh, he's probably, he's recorded the most touchdown catches. I think I just said that without checking stats, but let's just say, just I yeah. Reckless speculation. Let's just say that. <laughs> Yeah, no, actually, that is true. Yeah, he's caught, recorded two touchdown passes, but um, it, it appears he averages 14 yards a catch, uh, which is which is uh, leads the team aside from Pringle. But he had one basically um, one catch that kind of skewed those stats there. So uh, I'd say Dominique Heath is the guy to look out for. Gotcha. OK, so lastly, West Virginia is a three and a half point favorite going into this game, which Whenever Vegas gives you three and a half, three points at home, it basically means it's a pick 'em. How would you see this one playing out? I'm not necessarily asking for a prediction, but what do you think the score is going to be? <laughs> well, so, so I kind of caught flack for this on Twitter, and it was probably a week or two. I think it was a week ago, and um, I don't remember who I was getting in a tussle. Not really. Well, I mean that, but I believe in West Virginia's roster. It's just I still struggle to uh, like that it exists. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's no, good. So no Manti no, Teo like situations. I, 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 yeah. It's not. You're not getting catfished at all. That's good news. Good. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Continue. I should have cut you off. <laughs> no, but uh, the the sense I gather from all the West Virginia fans is that across the board, this is like the the best the rosters look from. It's not necessarily like you guys feel like you've got uh, Stedman, Bailey, Tavon Austin uh, levels of talent. But there's no slouches at any position group anywhere. It's like you feel really good about the offensive line solid. The wide receiver core is awesome. The running back group seems awesome. And then on the defense, the same story. That's kind of the sense I gather. And I can see it. I, I saw it from when I did the the um, you know the summer series on the, the other website that I contributed for there for a while. Uh, but <laughs> yes. it's, it's Dana Holgerson that I still struggle with. It's until the guy... You know, he's only won uh, a max of eight games in a Big 12, and he's just been consistently doing that. And I, 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 I'm subscribed to the fact when you get so far down the road in things, you kind of know what you got, and you kind of like, this is just kind of is. And when Bill Snyder was in his, you know, his prime in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, when he had a streak going against a school, he kept those things alive. And so it's really hard for me to, all things being equal, I feel like the coaching staff is where K-State tilts the scale. Okay, I could see that. So, actually, just kind of a quick follow-up. Whenever you said that you know, there's just a lot of stability on all of the squads in, on West Virginia's team, is there any weakness for K-State that's like really stands out? Um, at the moment, it's it's the discipline. I mean, the although K-State's done a fairly good job winning the turnover margin, I think maybe they were minus one against Stanford, if I remember right. 
but penalties have just been killer. And so I think obviously the home crowd with being able to uh, create the raucous environment, a lot of, a lot of noise, you might be able to get the offensive line is relatively young. There's um, I think at least two red shirt freshmen. Um, and, and like most everybody's, there's only one offensive lineman that started all of the games last year and he moved to a new position. I could see, the biggest weakness probably just getting into the, their heads and making them maybe commit some mistakes that they, they don't want to. Perfect. Okay, so you heard it here first, everybody else. Grant Tommy coming on here saying West Virginia is going to win 15 nothing. Thank you very much, Grant, for joining this, <laughs> the Smoking Musket Podcast. We will let you go. Um, seriously, honestly, go on Twitter. Follow him at GTCat underscore Imadio. Sorry Nailed about it. that. This time. Nailed I think it. You yeah. gotta, I think you missed the T in the opening. My apologies. I will certainly go back and uh, fix that. But yeah, so check out his show, The Salute Podcast. Him and Mike do a really, 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 really good job. All five of those reallys are legitimately, <laughs> legitimately, Aaron. Grant, thank you so much for joining us on the Smoking hey, Musket Podcast. It's been a pleasure. It always is, David. All right, boys and girls, we're heading over to part three, where we will say that everything that Grant just said is a lie <laughs> and give you the, actually what will happen in West Virginia's matchup with K-State. Stick around. Sing this thing again, you know it, yeah. Well, let me hear you. I don't cut your road. Why don't you take me home? Bye, Goddard. Welcome back to part three of the Smoking Musket Podcast. I am returned here again. Bart Keeley, thanks again to Grant Tommy for joining us. Thanks, Grant. Yep, big friend of the show. Really appreciate him coming on. And so, Kansas State Wildcats. West Virginia plays them October 1st, 3.30 p.m. in Morgantown on ESPNU. And so... That's it. We're done. We're playing yeah, Kansas that's State. It. You, you have literally heard everything that you need to know about this game. <laughs> Basically, West Virginia is 0-4 in the Big 12 going against K-State and Bill Snyder. Um, it's Tent City Week, homecoming, strike the stadium. So if you do have a ticket to the game, be sure to consult that to see what color you need to wear. I believe I'm wearing gold, so that is quite a change from my normal gold. Yeah, I'm proud of you for sticking with it. Um, yeah. Just so that we are aware, students... In the upper level, wear gold. Yep. Students in the lower level, wear blue. Yep. If you are in an even section, wear gold. If you're in odd section, wear blue. How about that? There you go. And if you're sitting in Kansas State section, go home. That's right. Correct. Also, if you are a Kansas State person uh, traveling to Morgantown, let us know on Twitter at Smoking Musket or on our Facebook page. Yeah. And um, just let us know. We'll... we'll I don't know. We have good food and um, yeah. entertainment suggestions. We'll treat you nice. It'll be cool. Before the game. That's exactly right. And <laughs> after the game, even. We actually, we scared some BYU fans last week. That was but I don't think they were used to having actual fans show up at games. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I don't. that was weird for them, I think. <laughs> so, you want to jump into this? Let's do as much as we can, yeah. Okay, so West Virginia is 1-5. All time against K State, the only win they have came in 1930 at Old Mountaineer Field, 23 to seven 
The Mountaineers won on November 8th, and there was exactly 10,000 people at that game. Um, it's incredible that they had exactly 10,000 people. I love how they counted people back then. Yeah, it's incredible. Question, they, did they count yes. women? Um, of course, why wouldn't you? I mean, well, technically the 19th Amendment had passed by then, so I think we're good. Woof. <laughs> and we're rolling. We could have really went in several directions, and I decided to not because it's just not a great time in this we're country. We're 3-0. Yeah, exactly. They're 3-0. <laughs> so, all right. So, West Virginia has not beaten K-State in the Big 12 yet. Bill Snyder <laughs> has been coaching for his 180th year this year. So, congratulations to him. And so, yeah, we're playing K-State. And so, if you are a college football fan or if you've been following the Mountaineers a good bit over the past few years K-State has been K-State ever since the beginning of time you know exactly what they are they do not change like we could literally go ask Jesus for a scouting report of Kansas State and it would be the same thing they've been playing the exact same way against the Romans yes correct back in those days it was like a weird conference setup where like the Romans were playing the The Barbarians and K-State and K-State was always just using the Q power the whole time. Absolutely. That is all they run. As Dana right. said, they invented it, and he is literally not wrong. Okay, so, like, let me back up a little bit. K-State, as a team, as a whole, fundamentals, stingy defense, effort, that's pretty much what they do. They're not going to blow you away with talent. It's white boy football. Correct. Yes. This is as Big Ten as it gets. This is the most Big Ten team in the Big 12 right now. By far, they're going to special teams you to death. They're going to fundamental you to death. They're going to run the ball with their quarterback, who I still believe, even though Grant said that Jesse Ertz is a gunslinger. No. That can't be right. I love you, Grant. That just can't be right. He plays for K-State. He is obviously the fifth string tight end that isn't good enough to be tight end. He's not good enough at hook blocks. And so (laughs) they just give him the ball. And say, guess what? Follow the fullback. Which you are with that, too, basically. Also, they have a fullback. Like, actually have a fullback. Yes. Not, I mean, like, we, we have Elijah Wellman, but that is, like, still weird. Absolutely. And honestly, if we had more fullbacks, we'd probably be a lot better at special teams. Anyway, so... <laughs> uh... So, K-State is going to run the ball one billion times, and then maybe, like, try to hit us over the top, because yeah. they've ran for the past 25 downs. And then their defense is going to be very tough to run against. They're not necessarily going to be quick. They're just going to be just stingy. Yes. And their special teams is going to be perfect. Well, and they're not going to give up penalties, even though they've actually kind of been really bad about penalties this year. That's the most un-Bill Snyder that, this Bill Sn- that the team has sure. looked in a while. But, I mean, everything else pretty much uh, spot on. It's a little concerning because basically, like we were talking in the first part, you know, our deficiencies – are their strengths. We don't stop the run on defense well, and that's what they do almost exclusively. We haven't figured out special teams yet, especially when it comes to coverage and returning kickoffs. Uh, we and they're they're Which is their pretty strength. good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think I, I do think defensively now they have not played. This is the problem with Kansas State up to this point. They have played Stanford, FAU, and Missouri State. And the so Missouri Stanford State, and nobody and nobody. Right, and Missouri State was only one half of football. Correct. 
So we don't because really know yeah. what type of team they are. Because even the Stanford game, that was the first game of the season, Stanford was still running out two quarterbacks, and we didn't really know what they were doing. Yep. And it's not even a, a true road game because Stanford brings 3,000 people who are studying for their tests the next day. Right. They're actually studying in the stadium. It's Legitimately. Just, Th- these um, are, this is an actual thing. But, you know, the only team they pl- the only real team they played this season was a loss. They lost 26-13 out in Palo Alto. And I don't want to say they looked bad because they didn't look bad. They actually threw for more yards than Stanford. They had pretty decent offensive output. But it was a struggle all game for them to, to score. Yeah. It's just, like, I, I just feel, like, really weird about it. Not necessarily weird about this game, but weird about this preview because, like, we don't want to make it sound like we're just being lazy and saying it's K-State. Like, that's all you need to know. But it's really hard to prepare because their numbers are skewed because they didn't play right. a whole game. They play, they played a road game, but it's Stanford, which is not an actual road game. Unless and they have two like wins. Oregon. That's right, yeah. And then they have two wins, but there are two wins against, like, Marshall and Marshall. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, you look at the numbers right now. Jesse Ertz. It's, it's very subtle, by the way. Je- yes, I saw that. <laughs> I, I picked it up. Yep, but there like, you go. Jesse Ertz is 31 of 55. He has thrown the ball only 55 times. You know who threw the ball, like, 55 times in a game? Yes. Pat Mahomes. Yes. Texas Tech quarterback. Like, we th- like Skyler threw 40 times last game in one game, and we ran the ball a lot last game. So, I don't know. They're obviously exactly what we think they are, but they've scored a whole bunch. I mean, they scored a, a decent amount of points against both Missouri State and FAU. They beat FAU 63-7. to Yes. But where are those points coming from? How do they get those points when they're not racking up a lot of yards? Yeah. The most frustrating part about all of this is that this is not different from the four times that we've already played them in conference play, and we still haven't beaten them. You know what's coming. Like that, the, the whole Bill Snyder way is not to surprise you. They're going to nickel and dime you to death. This is what they do. Absolutely. Did they almost beat Baylor last year like this? Yeah. I mean, Baylor had struggled against them last year. So it's not like it's a it's not like we're we're it's not a secret no it's not it, and, and it's, not, not, it's not like we're doing anything like huge like research thing like this is what they do we just and West Virginia knows that Holgerson knows this everybody knows this well I mean it, it's not like this is Kansas who they're just not a good football team and you can go well they're Kansas no this like you know what Kansas State is going to throw at you but I will say I think to, to Grant's point Jesse Ertz does seem to be a more capable quarterback than they have had in a very long time even Colin Klein was a, at best, not terrible quarterback. Sure. So Which I was. Why they I, almost won the Big Twelve that year? They, they yeah, exactly. A, that like was, a, I mean, that sort they, of kind they, of yeah. But but Ertz is a decent, like he looks to be a decent quarterback, and if he can get into a rhythm, he will hurt us because that will take that will then give him the ability to run because that is his number one skill set is running the ball. He has 145 yards on 25 carries, so they're going to give him the ball a lot. They're yep. going to let him take off. And a lot of that then can be atoned to he can scramble like we saw Taysom Hill do against us. So <sighs> those are the concerning things for yeah. me is that Ertz is a capable passer, which then gives him more ability to run the ball because we're going to actually have to defend the pass. Yep. Yep. And so right now this game is around three and a half in favor for the Mountaineers. Um, which basically means because this game is in Morgantown, it's basically a pick 'em game. Yeah, 
West Virginia is given a 49% chance of winning this game, according to Bill Connolly, which his I, – I, His I love numbers Bill. hate us. Absolutely hate us. Yeah, his numbers hate us completely. And it's we solely, dropped I mean, in the S&P Plus yeah. ranking after a win. Twice in a row. Yeah. We're at number 48 right now in the S&P, which we were at 37 last week. And we've got teams, Georgia and Notre Dame, who are still above us. And they, you know, Notre Dame has three losses. They have as many losses as we have wins. But, you know, they're also Notre Dame, so. Yeah. So we're either really wrong about West Virginia right now, that we shouldn't be this high about them, or the numbers will eventually correct themselves. I don't know. Either way. Well, but. Yeah. I think it's both. I mean, obviously, we, we I'm not saying we haven't played a murderer's row when it comes to our non-conference schedule either. Right. But we've played, like, we well, Missouri is an SEC team, so no matter, I thought that that was supposed to give us some clout, but I guess that's the one caveat. You know, we played BYU, which I, some people say they're a Power 5 team. I don't classify them as a Power 5 team, but it would be like playing Memphis last year, last year like Houston or uh, East Carolina when they were good or, you know, when UCF was good. Come on, man! They're better than East Carolina. I, I'm saying when they were good. Like I, I know, like I know what that means to say to you. By the way, like I understand this. <laughs> I'm a little biased. You have connections to East Carolina, but they're better than Memphis. Like they, like they're, they are basically a Power Five team to me. I, like you might disagree. Which everyone, I, 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 so. I understand that. I'm just saying that, like, to me, they're like that. Okay, so maybe they're okay. They're a Power Five team, but they're like playing. They're like playing Missouri. They're probably more like playing um, Arkansas or. Um, Mississippi State and the SEC West, where they're a good team, not great. I think they're, yeah, I think they're probably like, they're like top 35. Okay. Yeah, and they're probably, yeah. Like, they're not necessarily, like, I don't know if they're ranked, I don't think they are right now, and I don't even know if they're receiving votes, but like, and yes, they're one in three right now, but I mean, I think at the end of the year, they'll probably be somewhere in that pack. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't mean to throw you off your. No, no, no. You're right. But also, and this is the one thing about BYU, because they are an independent football team, their schedule is pretty front loaded because that's when people are more likely to play, you know, a non-conference game. So you know, they have they had it rough. I mean, they played some pretty decent teams before they played us. Right. Yeah. I. I don't know. I mean. I don't know. I'm just. uh, My point is like I think that we're a good team, but we haven't necessarily played the best schedule either. Right, sure. Like the strength of schedule doesn't necessarily there. And I mean, if West Virginia kept their foot on the gas against Missouri or against Youngstown State or against BYU, then the numbers probably wouldn't hate us so much because right. it all makes it like those games were a lot closer than they actually were. I bet honestly that's probably the main thing. Because like the garbage time wasn't necessarily even garbage time because like it was right. at, like there was a way for Missouri to actually win that game at the end, and I mean uh, Youngstown State was that not that far off until the end, and that, yeah. But um, one thing I did want to mention is that something that Grant also mentioned is that Winston Demel, the son of the offensive coordinator for K State, he's a fullback and he has six touchdowns. Wow. So that's uh, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I I don't really know what to say there. <laughs> From what I understand, he just goes in whenever everyone else is out, and they just give him the ball whenever he's on the field. But whatever. I don't know, man. I guess the kid has a nose for the end zone. I don't know. That I mean, that's what that says to me. You can score. I mean, that's got to be short yardage situations. Come on, man. Sure. And plus, I mean, like we all heard in our interview with Grant, I asked him if it was a give the ball to Tucker thing, pass the ball to Tucker, and he didn't know what I was talking about. And so. <laughs> Uh, the biggest thing coming out of that interview was the fact 
that Grant Tommy, our K State insider, is not a big hang on the guy. So he'll be okay. He's still a good guy. He helped me out with some recipes this week for the uh, Spooky Mustard tailgate. So there you go. Good kid. Nice, cool. His wife's all right too. She's cool. She's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, took them the pies and pints. They seem to like it. Pies and pints is great. If you're yep. a K State fan and you need hangover food on Saturday on Sunday, pies and pints is very much up your alley. Also, by the way, it seems like not a lot of like West Virginians even know about this. Like it's from Fayetteville. There's one in right. Charleston. Right. It's a West Virginia. Like it's a West Virginia restaurant. Yeah. There's one in Charleston. Original ones in Fayetteville. Yes. And if you do not mention that, people from Fayetteville will let you know about it very quickly. So have just throw that out there. You yeah. can continue. I'm sorry. Pies and Pies is great. It's by the uh, Gucci Kroger, by the way. Yeah. We're also, uh, we should, I mean, like, we're not we're not getting a sponsor or anything, but yeah, just throwing it out there. Pies and Pies, if you're listening, we do throw love you. Us, yeah, throw some dough either in actual money form or Or pizza. actual, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was a terrible pun, and I'm never going to apologize for it. Well, what, it let's get back to people that we need to look out for. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. I've kind of, I have Byron Pringle is their return specialist. Okay, there you go. And yes. we Great should, name, by the way. Yes. Byron Pringle. Try to do what we failed to do last year, and that is keep the ball away from their return specialists. And if you remember last year, we had a lead, and then yep. we decided to punt the ball to their return specialist, whose name escapes me right now. And he took the ball back to the house, and the rest of his history. We lost the game. Yep. It wasn't Lockett, so that's good. I guess for me, I still have the question of how are they going to score their points? They're going to run a lot. And if we play defense, run defense the way we played against BYU no. run defense, they're probably going to be pretty decently successful. And that's the concern part to me is that if they run with any sort of success like BYU had, we're not going to have – one, it's going to be a long day because it's going to be tough to watch that. But two, it's going to be a long day because we're not going to have a whole lot of – we're not going to have a whole lot of time to score. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have a whole lot of possessions. So it's imperative for our defense to, when they get a third down situation, get off the field. That was something we did not do well last game at all. We haven't really done it great all season, but better than last year. But last game was really not good. you got to get off the field on third down because Kansas State will – I mean, it's three hours in a cloud of dust with a little bit of quarterback play in there. Yep. I agree. I personally think that West Virginia can probably pass better than K-State can run. I would agree with that. And so, and I don't know if K-State would be able to throw it against us as well as we could possibly nickel and dime them on the run. Um, I think our offense is a little bit more dynamic. They have not played a real uh, way game yet, which I think will play a lot into it. And from what I understand, because it's homecoming in Morgantown, should be quite sizable because, you know, of, of, because of homecoming, homecoming and because the students' tickets, I believe, are limited right now. A lot of that, like those numbers, are gone. With, right. So the students should be there, the fan base should be there. Right now, around the Western PA area, which I understand is pretty much the same thing as the Morgantown area, whenever it comes to weather, it's starting to get to be sweater weather. So it's not hot anymore. Break so out people, your pullover. Yes, break out your rugby shirts if there we go. you are one of those people, which I am. Classic college look. The classic. That is just. Gold and blue solid bars with the yellow with the white collar. You bet your you know what that is, Bart. To be absolutely one hundred percent honest, Tommy boy. That that and whenever the East Fairmont Busy Bee Band Honeybees 
have anything to do either with basketball or any type of event that they do not need their entire uniform. That's what they wear? The rugby shirts with the white collar. That yep. is awesome. There you go. Uh, that cool. is two East Fairmont drops. In one podcast. <laughs> in one podcast. I just... I can fit in Tyrone Estrito somewhere. I know I can. I mean, I would mention my high school alma mater, but no one knows or cares where that is. Sure. So, I mean, South Monette High School, there's your shout-out for the if, uh, podcast. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> go comment. Equal opportunity shout-outs here. I'm sorry, continue. Their, their one game that they played, like, you know, a real Power 5 team was against Stanford to open the season. And they actually threw the ball pretty well. Ertz had 207 yards passing, 16 for 34. So that's not incredibly great um, efficiency. But This is true. Also, one thing we need to consider during that, I think like a, two of those touchdowns or something like that, like he actually had a really good fourth quarter, but he, his first three quarters were yes. not great. Yes. They scored six points in three the first three quarters and scored a touchdown in the fourth. Yep. But they only ran the ball for 92 yards. That's true. Also, but one thing to keep, I mean, like, I don't mean to counterpoint this. Like, I, can't, no, counterpoint. I feel, feel bad. Stanford has an unbelievable defense. Stanford is on a different level of defense than we are. I'm just pointing out that, like, all their, their better offensive product, you know, their, their best offensive games, especially when it comes to running the ball, have come against FAU and Missouri right. State. yep. So that's kind of what I'm just trying to say is like, yes, Kansas State has had, I mean, they scored 63 points in a game. I think that is cause for like tearing down goalposts or burning couches in Manhattan. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Luckily, we only burn couches in Morgantown. We don't burn trees like in uh, a city about 90 miles south of me. Also, I guess like the guy who did set fire to Tumor's Corner was just a guy, just like a German person that like have no He had no idea what he was doing. Yes. Which, and he didn't mean to. Like it wasn't like he tried to let it on fire. He was just like That's incredible. But it was hilarious. Yes. Anyway, that's all I'm saying is that they're two they played really well against some really not good teams. Yeah. I'm not saying we played really well against great teams because I'm not gonna put BYU, Missouri, yep. or Youngstown State in the category of great teams. But they're actual football teams. Kansas or excuse me, Missouri and BYU are actual football teams who play power five football. Right. And we, we won the game. Yeah, And, like, I, I so. guess, I don't know, like, it, listener, as you hear us kind of go back and forth about this, there's whenever you say there's something good about K-State, which there definitely are good things, you always have a counterpoint of reasons to kind of knock that back a notch or two. And so it's very, very tough to really get a good barometer on this team until they play us in Morgantown. Right. It should be a fun game. The over-under is 55, so I would not be surprised if it was like a 27-24 game, something like that-ish. Um, but, um, yeah, I-, I think West Virginia wins. Um, being at home with a surged-up crowd, undefeated crowd, uh, should be good to go. West Virginia should be able to jump on B- uh, Bill Snyder finally before he really irons out everything he wants to do with K-State. Um, we we look good. We feel good. We have no reason to believe that we shouldn't be able to win this game. That's my idea. But what do you think? I think that we. I actually think that we win. My. I think the score I'm giving out is 30 to 24, which I know is bigger than the spread. But I think, like the BYU game, our propensity of our offensive propensity is higher than what their offensive propensity is. And to me, that can win this type of a game because I don't think this is going to be a defensive struggle. I agree. We don't like that, but it's going to be a 
punch counter punch type game where if, okay if you score we've got to score and okay you get a defensive stop we got to get a defensive stop and I just think we have the ability to to score more times and then also because I don't think their offense is that great have the ability to then stop them on defense now the caveat to all this the however is do not let special teams lose this game for you it could and it could so just figure out a way to not let it lose the game for you Absolutely right. And you can win this game. Okay. I think that pretty much brings us to a close here on the BYU uh, review and the K-State preview. Do you want to do the Big 12 Week 5 slate very quickly before we sign off here? Let's do it quickly. All right. Um, I will tell you the game, and you just tell me who's going to win. You don't even have to worry about the spread or anything, all right? All right. I will tell you who okay. wins. Okay. Thursday on the 29th of September, Kansas travels to Texas Tech, 830 on FS1. Uh, Texas Tech. All right. <laughs> A hundred to three or something. <laughs> okay, so it's that Saturday at noon, Baylor travels to Iowa State on FS1. Oh, Baylor's going to win. Absolutely. Agreed. Texas travels to Oklahoma State Stillwater, noon on ABC. I still think Oklahoma State's got a chip on their shoulder, especially after losing to Baylor. I think they're going to win. Is this, yeah, home, this, is like, this might be the one I pay attention to. Because that's, yeah. that's that's an interesting one. So Oklahoma travels to TCU 5 p.m. on Fox. Oklahoma's the favorite. I don't. I really don't know what Oklahoma has. I mean, we think we thought they knew we were. We thought we thought we knew what they what thought, we thought they about were. them. Yeah, we thought they knew, we thought we knew who we thought they were. But I don't know. <laughs> but TCU, this game might. This game is going to be a shootout as well. So I think that might be the thing. I think TCU can win at home because. I don't know because yeah, this is definitely still techni- yeah, yeah. This is gonna be the one that like I play pay attention to while everyone's napping and I'm just sitting there because I can't fall yes. asleep. <laughs> Can Kenny Hill play well in October? Great question. This is the first weekend of October football. Can he play well in October? Good point. Really good point. Other notable games outside of the Big Twelve. Skipping down to uh, the the other one, Louisville. <laughs> the big game visits Clemson 8 p.m. on ABC. That's the primetime game. God, I hope Clemson wins. I listen. Louisville obviously has a good team. Playing in Death Valley, Death Valley Light, excuse me, but playing in Death Valley is incredibly difficult. Yes. Louisville has not done anything like that this year, and they're may, playing an offense that does, if they're clicking, have the ability to score a bunch of yep. points. And I just watched Clemson just like absolutely take care of business against Georgia Tech last week. I think Dabo can get that team ready and play and win in Clemson, South Carolina. Last one. The thundering herd of Marshall visits the University of Pittsburgh Panthers, 7.30 p.m. on the ACC Network. I'm going to go for the meteor here. I fully support Marshall in this game. Nonsense. I know that is like a non... That's a weird feeling to have. But, like, remember, I'm not actually from West Virginia, so, like, I still wanted Marshall to do well in things until like it let me put it this way like their undefeated season what was it two years ago where they had a chance to be undefeated yeah then West Virginia I Kentucky wanted to, saved all of our lives yeah, it was fantastic like I didn't I, I was like oh good for you but then I was like no 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 stop stop you need to lose and then they lost and it was hilarious so in this case if we can't take care of Pitt because Pitt is scared to play us little bro needs to go do the job for us yeah f*** <laughs> <laughs> both yeah, I'm not a fan of either team, but I will be rooting for Marshall just because 
because that's it for the smoking musket podcast thank you for downloading uh please seriously rate us on itunes subscribe to our youtube channel um if you rate us on itunes it's just a lot easier to get this show out and i don't know make it grow um if you subscribe on youtube exactly the same thing is a lot easier to make this thing grow with the more subscriptions we have on youtube Exactly the same thing on follows and likes on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. Like, please go in there and follow us. We have a very, very good Twitter and Facebook page. Uh, during the games, you will see Matt Kirchner, the ever awesome Matt Kirchner, tweet during the game, and you can go on there and kind of check those out. He's very good at that. So, um, I'm Smithfire13 on Twitter. David Smith signing off with Bart Keeler, Bartimus Prime 19 on Twitter. Do you have anything else to say to the rest of of the lovely, lovely people of West Virginia. Go support your team this weekend. They need the help. Yeah, seriously. Strap the stadium. Yeah! Alright, guys. Uh, thanks very much. And, as always... Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.